Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington, and I'm pumped because I'm going to talk to Bennett. He emailed me a couple weeks ago to let me know about a site that basically it contradicts so many things that I thought were just common knowledge and true. And let me give you a couple stats before we bring Bennett on. So his site earned about $10,000 in 2020, about $19,000 in 2021. It's generally random products. It is not a very tight niche. It's not a micro niche site. It's just random products from across the board. He used the keyword golden ratio quite a bit, not exclusively, I don't think, but he used it quite a bit. And generally, the revenue is generated from about 30 articles. So again, just a lot of a lot of things that I thought were just true, just tr- common knowledge out there are a little bit wrong. So Bennett is a senior at Ohio State. Bennett, how's it going today? I'm great. How are you? Doing fantastic. Um, yeah. And I know a lot of people are going to be curious about exactly how you figured this stuff out. Before we get into it, I'm curious about your background a little bit. So we were chatting beforehand, you're a senior at Ohio State. What are you studying? How'd you get into niche sites? I study information systems and I have a minor in design thinking. Ever since high school, I knew I wanted to do something with like business and technology. And then the summer of my freshman year, I found an internship at an SEO agency. That was an interesting story. I actually just walked into the building and asked if they had any opportunities available. And they were like, yeah, do you want to interview for one? And I said, sure. So that summer I was doing SEO projects for clients and my boss was running a Amazon affiliates blog. So I was really curious on what he was doing and how it was making money. And eventually I tried to implement it myself and I found a lot of success through some interesting tactics and techniques. Okay, cool. And, and with the information systems like area, do you have a coding and software background? Like you take a few a few software classes, right? Yeah, so we take a couple like intro to Java, databases, COBOL, some discrete math. But then we also have a foundation in business. So I think that's a specialty of the MIS degree is it's business and computer science. Okay, cool. And then I know the CS and double E and other software people, they're like, ah, the MIS, like it's, it's much softer because you guys don't take as hard of classes as we do. Mm-hmm. Is, is that still true? Like you guys kind of shit on each true. other? Okay. Yeah, I didn't have to take calculus. I think calculus is a lot here. All right. Yeah. Then, Everybody's good. Mm-hmm. When, once you get out of school, it doesn't matter. But yeah, we still make fun of the others. Okay, let's get into the details. So you got you got interested and you, you started these sites, obviously you're busy um, studying and, and going to class and partying and such. When mm-hmm. did you start your first site on your own and h- how did that go? So freshman year at Ohio State, I was in an entrepreneurship club and my grandpa started a company. So I figured I would like to kind of work on that company and develop it. So I made a website for it. And then went out and talked to customers and tried to sell a physical product, but it just did not work out. So eventually after my summer internship, I tried to transition into making money from an affiliate blog. And I found that worked out pretty well because of my new SEO background and just some YouTube research. Was that the site that we're talking about today? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it transitioned from a product site into an affiliate site. Okay. Very cool. Interesting. And yeah, 
that that's part yeah. of the reason why I didn't pick a specific niche. This product was not in specific niche because he just invented it. So then from there, I approached it more as a way to learn and experiment rather than a way to make money. Because the first year, I think I only made $30 in affiliate income. It was pretty bad, but I kept working at it. And then eventually I struck gold with making $10,000 and then $20,000 basically. All right. Cool. So one thing that we didn't mention uh, up until this point is your unique way to find products to feature and then how you you know took those products and found keywords. So can you break that down for us? Sure. So like my first product I was trying to sell, it's fine to say this, it was best car phone mounts. So I was pretty competitive and I think I ranked for that. But in the end, like I only made $30 from it because I would make probably like a dollar or two off each sale. So it struck me, I was like, okay, I can try to convert all these like $30 products, but I can try to sell like products that range from $2,000 to $10,000 and make a much higher income. And so I was looking at a website, thespruce.com and like some other websites. And I thought, okay, they have over a thousand blog articles and reviews. I'm curious which ones make me the most money So I went and had a computer science friend help me actually scrape the website and then run like an average product price. So I found like their average products prices were highest on these pages and lowest on these other pages. So that gave me a prioritization schedule. Like I'm going to start with referring these high products that have a lot of good keywords behind them. And that's helped. Okay. And how long does it take the, like the crawler or the data scraper to do its thing on its one, like one average URL, just if you had to ballpark it? Oh, I think it's five seconds per URL. Okay. So it's not very much. Okay. And, and I'm just thinking about it. So it just probably pulls down the source code and then just like looks for any prices and then averages those together. Mm-hmm. Something along the lines of that. Okay, cool. And you were showing me before, so you have a spreadsheet and it'll have the title of the page, the URL, and then the average price and any other data on that spreadsheet? I use like some SEO and will show me the keyword from the article because like the main keywords usually in the article title. And then I actually took those like main keywords. Let's say you have the main keyword of best pencil erasers, which like has an average product price of 10 bucks. And I can put it in hrefs and then see all the sub keywords to find those like keyword golden ratio ones to rank for. And I was about to ask you, so you then identify the the keyword that that page is targeting after you, you've filtered in and prioritized to higher priced items. And then you'll just take that main keyword to a tool. You said you use hrefs. I, yeah, they have a free keyword generator tool that I use. So I pay $0 overall for all my SEO tools, which is nice. Right. That was another thing that caught my attention when you emailed me. So you're in, do you do any other sort of checking or you just use the free hrefs? Yeah, I, I guess the tools I use, I use the free hrefs keyword generator. Hrefs has a thing where if your site is connected to Google search console, you can monitor your backlinks and organic keywords all for free. But yeah, mainly the keyword generator, then like breaking it down, looking at golden ratio, and then monitoring the rankings in HRFs, the free tool. With that tool, had you heard anyone else uh, do anything like that? It doesn't sound like it's, uh, frankly, that hard to code. I mean, I haven't coded in years, but I'm like, "Ah, I could probably figure out how to do that, right? So have you seen a tool like that or heard talk of people approaching it that way? 
No, I have not. When I first started it, I was like, I saw that Ahrefs has like the estimation of like their traffic value. So I was like, okay, that's kind of similar, but it's not based on how much you would make. It's based on like advertising earnings. And then I was even trying to like Amazon API or Amazon.com to find like specific things that cost in between a range. Like I was looking for couches. Okay. I know that couches are a specific product. It's very searched up. But what if I wanted to find something really specific like pinball machines? There's no tool that would like just give me those random keywords that are like really expensive. So I decided to make it myself just by looking at competitors. So with uh, keyword research, often I tell people, hey, even if you find the keyword and the KGR phrase, go ahead and Google it and, and make sure that the competition looks acceptable. So did you take mm-hmm. that route? And if so, what, what kind of things did you, did you see to make you think, hey, I'm going to skip this keyword or yeah, I should definitely go? Like right now, I guess because my site has more authority, I do it less. But when I would start, I would actually go into Ahrefs, like into the SERP analysis. And then you can see if a lot of the results on the page have a DR, which means like domain rating of less than 10, then I know I could rank for it. Like I was looking back at the keywords, which I rank for, and I noticed that was like a very common trend. So that's one thing I would recommend. And you can find that for free. It's just, it's kind of hard to get to, but Sure. Mm-hmm. And, and basically you're like finding sites that would have a similar, very low authority, just like your site. And you're like, Hey, if they could rank for it, there's no reason my site can't rank yeah. for it as well. And even sometimes I would find like by accident, Oh, I'm ranking in like this one above or beneath me has a low DR. Let me go on their website and copy some of their keywords. Cause like I could probably outrank them. Got it. So anything else keyword wise or product wise before we start talking about the content a little bit? Hmm. I would say keywords. I found that I've had a lot of success with informational and commercial intent, both how to as well as the best X in 2021 or 2022. But yeah, so I'd say do a mix of those. Some like big opportunities I see are like, best x for y so like you could do like best water skis for the ocean or hot tubs for cold climates like those are good keywords that are like easier to rank for as a beginner some other things are you could go for signups so let's say bluehost they're doing their thing you could always try to just if the whole point is to convert someone to signing up try to target those keywords right there like how to sign up for x that's what i would recommend all right yeah great tip on that Here's a quick word from our sponsor, Otis Global. They're the source for premium age domains with strong branding and powerful backlinks. Feature domain for today is embracejapan.com, and it was a domain that showcased collectibles, toys, and figurines from Japanese anime, which I actually personally never got into. It was a bilingual site, so it was both in English and Japanese. When I did take a look in the Wayback Machine, it looked like there was quite a bit of Japanese, especially in the earlier days, but there was some English too. It was created back in 2008, so it's 14 years old. The domain rating is 25 currently, but it was as high as 40, and the current domain authority is 
31. And I think basically you could just lean into exactly what this site was before featuring anime and really highlighting some of those, well, I guess figurines and other collectibles. And if you're into that, like I said, I'm not. So I, I'm, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know what sorts of things you may, might be able to feature there, but I think there's uh, there's quite a few. It's a whole subculture. In fact, I think I had a, uh, a couple roommates in college and just some other friends that were very into anime, and that was 20 years ago. I mean, I went to a pretty nerdy college. Not that anime is nerdy, but my friends were, and I am, and they were into anime. Anyway, you could really lean into it. But further, I mean, you could feature other pieces of the Japanese culture and it would fit in quite well. There's 177 referring domains, 135 of those are do follow. And there are links from places like zdnet.com, cnet.com, and uh, together.com, which I don't know what that is. Hopefully that's an appropriate thing. And ipfs.io and a couple others that I don't know what they are either. But at least you hear from some of those English-based domain names like ZDNet and CNET and so on. If you join Otis using my affiliate link, you can get $100 into your account, which I greatly appreciate if you use my affiliate link. And if you buy anything, I might get a commission. So let's get back to the show. And thanks to Otis. And yeah, moving on to content. Did you write it yourself or did you hire writers or work with an agency? For the first two years, I think I wrote almost all of it myself. And then I started to dabble into looking at Fiverr, looking at Upwork. And then overall, as I've been doing it, I've been starting to rely on Upwork more. Now that I'm back in school and already making like almost $2,000 a month, I figure that I want to reinvest some of it back into hiring writers. So I've been doing Upwork and then doing bunches. Hey, I want um, you to write about these five topics that are kind of relevant to each other. You do some of the research, I'll do some of the research, but then you actually write the article and make the review guide. So I found that's been working. How do you structure the content? Do you have a specific template that you use for like informational versus the actual product review articles? I don't have any structure for the informational, but for the product review, it's basically I give them some number like, top six X in 2022, they just bullet. So, okay, here's product one. Here's what I like. Here's what I don't like. Here's information about it, like the specifics you'd need price. And then for how to, usually I just give them the topic. I'm not going to name a topic, but you can think of some sort of topic. And then you just come up with some questions that you see and that people also ask. So let's say I'm Googling, just I'm trying to rank for the word flights. You might want to search it up first take some of the commonly asked questions and throw them in your blog so that you can rank for those as well. Do you have any other tips for approaching content? You mentioned people also ask, and I know that's a great place to put in frequently asked questions for almost any kind of content. So yeah, my site has some, as I was saying, some Amazon how-to topics. I actually rank when you Google Amazon Prime or Amazon Prime Shopping, there's a bunch of people also asks and as you open them, they open more. So out of like the top 20, I think I have one spot and it gets a lot of clicks because I've structured one blog post around that. So I'd say if you're in any niche, 
like you're in bowling, just search up bowling and then look at those people also ask and try to make content for that because that's how you're going to get some massive clicks if you can rank for those like central keywords. And I, I was going to ask just a little bit deeper on on the content and the structure, just in case a lot of people that I chat with, they they have sites where they set up pretty tight silos or content clusters, and there's a lot of topical relevancy around it. With your site, you have random products. So how, how do you structure your site or do you even think about that? It's actually pretty funny. I don't think about it often. So I have this old site. Like when I started, I didn't know that much about content relevancy, all that stuff. So I basically just had one big miscellaneous section where I'd put a bunch of products. And so I have some categories and then just this one long miscellaneous section with like most of my articles, honestly. And I would say it probably does okay in terms of like link structure, but I'm going to redesign my site with better categories. And I think that might improve my SEO. Awesome. Yeah. I don't don't think it would make sense to link some of the items together just because they're, they're totally random. Mm -hmm. So it's very interesting along those lines. This, as I opened with is contradictory to a lot of the advice that I say personally and the other people talk about as well. And and we say, Hey, you want to have a site where you have a cluster of content and topics that kind of go together. So Google understands what your site is all about. And I like this example because I think it's safe to say when you started, you were naive enough to think, ah, I'm just going to randomly put this together and I don't know if it's going to work. And that's great because sometimes if you're set in your ways like me, you, you don't try things like that that could potentially work. So my question to you, Bennett, is why do you think this worked out even though on paper or if you asked advice from you know 10 experts, they would probably say, don't do that. It's probably going to be a waste of time. So why do you think this worked? I think a lot of people get too caught up in the fact of, oh, I got to be an authority in this space. You don't really need to. You just need to like answer their question and create good content. A lot of people would ask me, like, okay, someone lands on your page on this article. They're going to be so confused when they see all these other articles that are not relevant. And I say, I don't really think about that as long as I can answer their question and direct them to a product at the time of clicking. It's not going to matter. And like Google is going to be fine with it. Like the random space of either I'll give some examples of like furniture versus like Amazon affiliates, like articles versus how to sign up for X versus like pool tables. It really they're just not in the same category at all. But I think my content's good enough to where it's optimized to rank for it. I have some some linking, like some backlinks, but some internal links. And I think Google thinks that's enough. Like Amazon, for example, they have so many different products all over the place, but they still rank really well because Google knows that they're just an authority now. And so when you get when you get started, I would say just focus on what you think is interesting, even if it's not in the same niche. Like if you're interested in music, sports, furniture, pool tables, like just go for it. You know, it doesn't need to be all about one thing. And you mentioned one thing there that I want to highlight is visitors probably won't be confused because 
they're not looking around your site. They just have one little problem that they're trying to get advice on. So it's pretty rare if I look up, say, a recipe, and then I go click around to find other recipes that I'm not looking for. Like, I'm not going to do that. It, mm-hmm. it just doesn't make sense. So people are just probably landing on your site, probably not coming back in the future, most likely, right? Yeah, I think 90% of it is new visitors. So it's probably not the best from like a software as a service thing where you want to have repeat customers, but it's okay from affiliate because I make money through each click. So as long as Google features me, then I'm, I know I'm going to get a steady stream of organic traffic. Right. I want to jump back to content really quick about how much were you paying for like your average article and how long are they? Right now, it's a little low, honestly. I think I can still find some good writers. I pay around 15 to $20 for a 1,000-word article, which is like way less than what an agency would cost or someone professional would charge you. But it's still good content. Like You can find great writers on Upwork as long as you give them like feedback and tell them what, what sort of topic. And then you can look at their ratings and reviews and try to find people who have done good work in their portfolio. Do you try to hire native English speakers from North America, or do you target a specific geography or type of uh, freelancer? Yeah, I definitely try to target more like US based, um, US based writers, but sometimes I'll take a chance on new people if they have a good portfolio. And if they think that like, you can ask questions about the project. And then if they have good responses, sometimes you'll be like, okay, that's good. But also sometimes I hire people on Upwork And I pay them like it goes in escrow, but they never respond. So then I just end up like giving them bad feedback and finding someone else to write about it. Just waste a little time. Yeah, I've had that happen before too, especially with like new people that maybe they're thinking, hey, I want to dabble in this. And then they realize it's a big mistake and they just don't do anything. Also, another interesting fact is like Google doesn't really seem to care about the maybe like the style of writing or the like how good it really is if i write something and i've taken like just a high school and college courses versus if i have a professional copywriter do it i really don't think that's going to make that much of a difference on google as long as you're answering the question similarly like people underestimate people overestimate how much they read so if i write a how-to article they're just going to skim and look for the bullet points on okay how do i do this Versus they're not going to go through and read each word and be like, oh, there's a grammar mistake here. I don't think that was well like worded. Now they're just going to look for the content and like the basic aspects of it. You mentioned you have a few links out there. Did you do any like large link building campaigns or where did these come from? Not necessarily. I've, I, my whole site is an experiment. One time I bought a footer link and it sent 10,000 backlinks to my website and then I was like, I don't really need this anymore. And I actually like, she got rid of them and my website SEO improved. I kind of think link building is not my specialty, so I don't worry about it too much. But then I also like reference videos on YouTube who suggest you shouldn't focus your time on link building. I was actually talking to a Fiverr seller recently and he was showing me how he has a domain rating of 40 because he's built so many backlinks, but his organic traffic per month was like 60. And I was showing him how my domain rating was like 20 or 25. I have way less backlinks, but like 20,000 in traffic each month. So I think if you're going to prioritize something, definitely prioritize just making good content and not link building. 
did you pay for some of the other links or were they just naturally occurring because you are ranking for some long tail keywords? Some of them, like it's just bots. If I write something about like how to get this discount, there's going to be those like discount bots that send their links to you. Sometimes, occasionally I get like a do follow backlink from someone's, oh, this was a good source. But usually it's just like random links. Sometimes it's even help a reporter out. I respond to some of those. Like someone asked me, someone from Wall Street Journal was actually, has anyone ever tried out the Gap? And I sent her a quote about how I like the Gap t-shirts because they were very thick. And so now I'm featured in the Wall Street Journal and have a, yeah. Oh, really? That's I, crazy. Another backlink from Reader's Digest, just because I was like talking about how Costco has good cookies. How has this website impacted your life? It's pretty nice. I actually paid off all of my college debt. Like I don't have any debt going, graduating because of all my earnings from Amazon. Yeah, 30,000 is definitely going to be enough to pay for your school. And then also it's giving me some like opportunity to think of how I can be an entrepreneur in the future and support myself through different like income streams. Also, I think about money differently a lot. Like sometimes my friends are like, oh, that's too expensive or they just have one idea of money. But as like a business owner, it kind of changes like your mindset of like, okay, maybe this is a write-off versus, okay, like this is an investment versus it just changes that. And lastly, it's nice to have some passive income because I don't have to worry as much about working a nine to five job. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I just think back for when I got out of college and made a good salary in consulting and stuff, but just have making another 20,000 bucks on top of that would Mm -hmm. absolutely crush like any bonus that I would possibly be able to get. And when you look at it like that, it's like, why would I work so hard to get a $2,000 bonus when I can make 10 X that by doing something I'm a little more interested in and have like autonomy. And then you'll quickly find Mm -hmm. yourself not being able to be employed because you're, you're like, I could just do better on my own. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. People have told me I should do in like SEO consulting and try to share some of my tips, but I figure if I just put in more effort into my own site, I can probably increase the earnings and be my own boss and like eventually reap those rewards versus making someone else rich. So it sounds like this whole thing just landed in your lap and it was very easy. Do you have any mistakes to share that in hindsight you realize you could have done things a little better? Not really. I think I purchased more of an experiment. So everything was like a lesson. And I don't know if there was any big setbacks. I think I'm glad that I switched from product to blog. And maybe a mistake could have been not reinvesting my money back into it early enough. But I can't necessarily say that's a mistake because like I've already paid off my college and I've been like living comfortably. So now I'm going to start reinvesting at least like half my earnings back into the blog, which I know people try to do as soon as they start their blog. So I guess I could have been earning more now, but I don't really think of it as greed. I'm, I'm chilling where I'm at. Nice. I enjoy it. Yeah. And paying off debt is never a bad idea. E- even student loans. I mean, you, you don't necessarily want to have that over you. If you could pay them off, you're, mm-hmm. you're in better shape anyway. You're getting a return on the interest immediately. Well, you have a couple other sites. So I'm just curious, we're not going to get into them today, but what, what else is in your portfolio? So I have two other affiliate marketing blog sites. I created them both over quarantine. One's with a friend where we split it like 50-50. It's in like the outdoor niche. 
Then I have another one in the e-commerce niche, and that one's just all myself. I actually, for that, I just put in up an initial $400 to buy 16 articles, and I've just kind of coasted on those. But it doesn't make that much money. I would say it probably makes around like 30 bucks a month now. The other one's starting to make like 100 bucks a month, the one that I'm running with a friend. And then lastly, as like a trying to engineer and solve some problems, I'm trying to make a grocery shopping app to make life easier when you're in the grocery store. Nice. That's pretty cool. You were telling me about that off off the record there, but people will be able to check that out. We'll, we'll link up to it so people can, I guess, I don't know if they could use it or, or what state it's in right mm-hmm. now, but yeah, we'll link up for that. It, and actually, Ben, at this point, yeah, where where can people find you? Yeah. So you can either contact me on LinkedIn. I'll have a landing page where you can put your email and say like why you want to get in touch. And then I think that would mainly be it. But yeah, feel free to reach out either if you have questions or things that you just want to share, or ask me. Okay, cool. And and one thing we did talk about is you have your your tool that you created to find the average price for certain products and you may be able, or you're actually thinking of doing that on the side a little bit. So if people want to check that out, then they would sign up for your email list and then you'll keep them informed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That one is a little bit more in the ideation stage, but I'd love to get feedback on if that's something people would use. If you want a tool that gives you the best keywords for prices in between a range and you just gave us a website and we'll give you that data. Awesome. Yep. So it may not be a tool that's out there like specifically, but maybe if enough people have interest, then then Bennett will push it forward a little bit and test it out. So yeah, I like the I like the idea to just see if there's interest. Well this has mm-hmm. been awesome, Bennett. Amazing story. And if people have any questions, you can leave them in the comments over on YouTube or shoot me an email at feedback at doug.show. And then I'd be able to circle back with Bennett. Maybe, maybe we'll hear about some of those sites in the future. So thanks a lot, man. Have a good one. Thank you. Thanks to Bennett. And be sure to check out the link to get over to his stuff. It sounds like he's doing some interesting things and Honestly, I mean, he's so motivated. It was pretty impressive. I had no sort of drive like that when I was a senior in college. And I mean, he made like enough money to pay off his student loans, which is amazing. $19,000 in 2021, which breaks down to you know close to $1,600 per month. It's just... It's pretty cool, pretty amazing. And he was just doing it for fun. And I mean, you could hear that he was kind of, I mean, he was making mistakes. He was trying things and like, oops, that, that didn't work. I probably shouldn't have done that. And just kept moving forward and pivoting. And, you know, the good part is, you know, since he's, he's young and he's in college and he's trying all these different things, the stakes are pretty low. You know, he was just putting in some time because he had a lot of time and a lot of energy maybe to stay up later than I do these days, for example, but he made it work. Now, before we leave, I want to remind you, if you're listening to this episode very close to when it published or when it does publish, 
you might be able to get into the niche website builders promo that I've worked out with them. So it's 15% off any of their link building packages, or you will get an additional 15% of uh, content if you get content. They do have a pretty cool package called the FA. Actually, I don't know what it's called, but they add FAQs. They improve your existing content, which is a very, very good thing to do. And they have, I think it's kind of an algorithm and strategy where they will go and scrape. People also ask questions from the SERPs. So they'll go and get the SERPs and they'll get all the questions that apply to whatever keyword or whatever post you're aiming to add content to. So it's a fantastic service, definitely worth checking out. And of course, they can handle bulk orders of, you know, huge orders of content. So, you know, whether you're getting like 10,000 words of content per month, or you just want to give them a test, you can take advantage of this deal. It does expire on March 12th, 2022. So coming up pretty soon, there's a link in the show notes. So you can check it out if you want to. Before I leave you, I got some pretty cool shows coming up. I've been teasing uh, me talking about the website flip that I did recently, and it spans over a couple of years. It's nothing, you know, when you look at the dollar amounts, it's nothing crazy, but it's very approachable. It's kind of lower risk, like I was talking about before. The site that I bought was under $5,000. I didn't do anything crazy. I did put some hours into it and I was able to flip it for a nice little profit. Again, nothing earth shattering. It's not a, it's not as sexy as some of the headlines that I have when I interview other people, but it's a very approachable. And I'll tell you exactly what I did. And then we have some other pretty awesome interviews coming up. And I actually, I'll put the, the call out there. People do email me and let me know that they've done something interesting. So feel free to let me know, even if it's not a good fit for the show or you don't want to be on the show, which is perhaps more likely, you can let me know what you've been up to. Feedback at Doug.show and I will read it. I reply back to all the emails and I read all the emails and stuff. So yeah, it's very casual. I have an assistant. She helps me with some emails, but I'm pretty much in there answering everything or touching it. I mean, I see all the emails. I could get out of it a little bit more, but I just take a long time to reply back occasionally. Not always, but just sometimes. All right, that's it for today. You have a good rest of your day and we'll catch you on the next episode.